0: Always great to see you. I saw you last down at um, Dayton at well, Ponts Inlet. Yeah, racing North Turn. Yeah, racing North Turn. It's a good deal. That's a lot of history. You just walk into that area, and I feel like I'm, I would say stepping back in time, but, you know, it's of course, it's a little bit modernized compared to what it was back then, I'm sure. Well, with me, David, it brings back memories. Mm-hmm. And I can still visualize and see the guys and the cars and the people and uh, mm-hmm. make chill run up and down uh, my arms, you know, yeah. and, and I just, you know. I uh, I love that period of time, and I know you've heard this a thousand times. That was when racing was racing, mm-hmm. but uh, it was. But uh, things change, We move on. They made thirty-eight thousand thirty-nine Fords, and my dad probably tore up two dozen of them. And no telling how many of the rest of them were torn up. You know, we run generally four or five times a week back in those days, and uh, and I remember Bill France. Um, would run, when he formed NASCAR in 48, started running two nights on different locations. Might be some in Georgia, might be some in the Carolinas. They were just tearing the cars up. And France used to, he and his wife, uh, they used to come by our place, which was an old farm, 800-acre dairy farm, Blair Farm, and uh, called Clover Hill Farms. But they'd sit around a big oak tree and talk and boys, what we're going to do. And it's getting hard to find the 39 Ford. Everybody wanted a 39 Ford because Raymond Parks, that's what he bought for Red Barn, Fonny Flock, Roy Hall Lower C. Mm. So it might be monkey see, monkey do. But the 39's also made good liquor cars. Yeah. The first ones to have hydraulic, hydraulic brakes on them. And see, 38's didn't have it. And prior 38's didn't have hydraulic and mechanical. Mm. You push for a week and you still run over something, you know. Did they have a big trunk? Sort of. But you see the little mm. coops, you take all the back out of them and and it just opened up into a pretty good-sized space. you get 125 gallons on pretty easy. But anyway, it was tearing some of those cars up. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I know there was a guy named Billy Davis. He used to keep his eye out all the time looking for 39 Ford for my daddy. I think that led to the Strictly Stock stuff. Because, and and mm-hmm. Bill France did, as I understand. He told my daddy, and, and they sat around the big oak over there and talked about this. And uh, that. he'd asked Ford Motor Company... To consider remaking 39 ford so they have something to race with and ford reluctantly told him we appreciate it but we just wouldn't look good on our behalf to do that we, we're in a business to make new cars but we appreciate you asking huh. so that never materialized so hence strictly stock and they a test on that deal down in Florida, probably uh, Jacksonville or somewhere in that area, I believe it was, for a few laps. They had a modified race schedule, but they figured they'd just get a few of the newer cars out there and let them run a few laps see what people thought about it, and so the crowd liked it. Next thing you know, he'd scheduled a strictly stock race in Charlotte, that new Charlotte Speedway built by two moonshiners from uh, um, Carnsville, North Carolina, and they got caught with their liquor, and so they lost their lease on that land to the property owner, and then he you know, contacted Bill France and promoted races there. See, so, moonshine started a lot of this stuff back in the day, and, and yeah. it was a big part of racing was moonshining too. Well, anyway, uh, in the Charlotte Observance some years ago, I was over there looking at the, in the library looking at the papers, and, uh, and it says that Bill France had run a, an experiment. And most of the paper was devoted for what Bruton Smith was going to do mm-hmm. at Concord, you know. And uh, it was an experiment. And a little bit about that deal, as I remember, seeing 49, I'd have been uh, 11 years old. I remember a little of it. But, see, France, when he came come to promote it, uh, Greensboro Fire Grounds and, and Peace Haven and the Fire Grounds in Weston, he'd, he'd come stay with us some. he finally got a place on Lee Street in Greensboro. And they moved up there finally. And, of course, the deal had the place in uh, Daytona Beach. But, see, France moved on up the—from uh, Florida, started promoting on up what I'd call 95 near interstate 85. Yeah. On up to Richmond, finally. Yeah. And uh, he was co-promoting that some with Sam Nunes. Sam was with AAA. Well, my daddy built a track in 47, but—and uh, we—my daddy spawn, uh, sanctioned with him. But the race at the firegrounds over there, getting back to that, they sat around the tree and talked about it, what they're going to do. So he scheduled that race over there June the 19th, I believe it was, in 1949. Telephone rang one day during the week there, and it was Annie France, and she talked to my daddy, and I heard her, heard him talking to her and a little bit. Apparently Bill France got on the phone. But what the conversation was about, she called him and said, are you coming to uh, to Charlotte this weekend? My daddy said, well, I don't have a—I'm um, going to be there. I said, half High Point's going to be there, mm. but I don't have anything to drive. i still got my modified— and she said, well, that's what he wants to talk to you about. And you say that the, uh going to be a big crowd? He said, yeah. Now, the reason he knew there's going to be a big crowd, High Point was about 5,000 people at that time, 5, 6, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he had a liquor business, and he sold half High Point liquor, moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> and so he knew about everybody. And plus the farm. Uh, I mean, we had a little yeah. milk all over town. And the Blair Boys, you know, there were seven of them, and uh, they were everywhere. And they was in the land business and farming mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah. So uh, – she said, Well, the good said, uh, Bill, meaning Big Bill, was he just worried to death that's nobody going to be there, not going to have enough cars. Of course, people still calling and coming in about it. So, how about tell him what you just told me? So, she put him on the phone, and Big Bill asked my daddy again, said, uh, are you going to be in Charlotte? And he said, Yeah, I'm going to be there. Well, you don't have anything to drive, do you? He said, No. He said, well, That's one reason I call you. There's two guys here from Great Bend, Kansas. They own a a Lincoln Mercury dealer, and he brought two Lincolns, and they brought their own driver with them, and asked me about getting somebody to drive the other car. Mm-hmm. And I thought about you, and Bill said, well, yeah, I'd like to drive it. And he said, well, they taken them out on Wilkinson Boulevard, and they gave them Jim Roper. That was their driver, the fastest car, and you okay. could drive the other one. But Daddy never qualified that car, so he started toward the rear. And I don't know if it had eighteen, nineteen, twenty 18, 19, 20 car, something like that. And Bob Flock led the first five laps of that race. The next 145 was led by Bill Blair and the other Lincoln. He done called and passed everybody. In the meantime, uh, it was a hot day, and a lot of cars were running hot, coming in pits, pouring water around them, and going back out. And the tracks started out being dirt, and they had it well watered down, you know, with cl- calcium chloride And as they put on. Uh, well, let me ask you a question right sure. quick when you get, before you get back to that. Was that the speedway that was on Little Rock Road and Wilkinson Boulevard, the corner there in yeah. Charlotte? Okay. Because— yeah. mm-hmm. I was, grew up in that area, mm-hmm. you know. I lived out beside off of Morse Chapel Road, and I worked on Little Rock Road, and then I moved out beside the airport, right near home in Moody, yeah. for I don't know, nineteen eighty or something. Right. So I always passed by there, and I heard that there was a speedway there at some point, and there was like a Allison trucking That's or right, something. Exactly. It was three quarter mile dirt. For that period of time, it was fairly decent track, all of them were dirt, maybe seating were from three to five thousand, I think. Hillsborough was seat about five or six. The High Point Speedway I know was seat 10, but they're all similar. Mm-hmm. Except the High Point Speedway had a tunnel under it to get in and out of it, and it's tunnel for pedestrians to get out of the grandstand back into the infield. But getting back to that Charlotte race, uh, there's not a lot of people know what happened over there that day, and uh, in fact, there's not a lot of, a lot of people left living that witnessed that race. Mm-hmm. And there was very little written about it. The main deal that happened was that. Uh, my daddy fell out, then uh, he made a pit stop. And according to the paper and the others that were living at that point in time, he done allowed to fail at least twice with that link. And the guy told him, and they said, how do you want me to drive this car? It's brand new. The guy told him, said, drive the hell out of it. Mm. So that's what my daddy did. And uh, I know there's an article, in uh, Benny Phillips wrote it with Jim Paschal, who had driven his daddy's car over there that day and driven his daddy's car. It was a 47 Ford, I believe it was, Coupe. Lee Petty was there with somebody else's Buick. He turned it upside down. When it stopped, it landed upside down. I think the wheels were still turned on it. Hmm. But anyway, he was there. They tore a few cars. But uh, it was pit stop that uh, put the Lincoln that daddy drove out of the race. He come in to get gas, and they had a gas can there. And uh, they didn't have phones or nothing that period of time. They just took the lid off the tank and turned it upside down, you know. Then the guy went around and put a coat of oil in it. And the hoods, the high split hoods, you open one side up and you take the oil cap off, put a coat of oil in, and some bystander wanted to help. He reached over. He took his shirt off, T-shirt, and took the cap off mm. and picked up a water bucket. And, of course, when he took that radiator cap up, mm. the water rushed out of it, and then they poured cool water back in, and it broke mm. the thermostat housing yeah. on it, and that put him out of the race. And uh, you're talking about a fight. Mm. After that, That my dad got a hold of that guy, and my mother said he tried to kill him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know? But anyway, Sad. that's... Sort of a deal what happened. And then uh, when Hubert Westmoreland, he was originally from Kernsville. He moved to Burlington. And he was a moonshine guy himself. And he fixed a lot of moonshine cars. And Hubert was an easygoing guy and didn't say too much. Very low-key and real quiet voice. But he knew what he was doing. And uh, he entered that car, which was a liquor car, meaning that it had a helper sprain on the rear of it. See, in that period of time, they run the liquor cars, too. I got pictures of Daddy's liquor car, and, mm. and they, they sat sort of like this with no load on them. Then they sat down, and then the helper spring would had two clamps on one on each end, and it'd catch them, and that supported the load. Hubert had that car entering the race. He happened to see uh, Glenn Dunaway walk by, and Hubert just getting up out from under the car. And he asked Glenn, I said, Glenn, he said, are you driving anything? Glenn said, no, I'm just over here to watch the race. Like many of the others, all they had was their modifiers that they drove. He said, how about driving this car? And Glenn said, okay. So when my daddy fell out with Glenn, he took over the lead of that race. And then uh, he won it, and the other Lincoln finished second, and it was running hot at the end of that race. So he wasn't running about 40, 50 mile an hour when he finished the race. Mm-hmm. That was with Jim Roper, mm-hmm. and they're all from Great Bend, Kansas. After the race is over, I sort of believed, and this is my opinion, that France really wanted one of them Lincolns, Lincoln's to win. Um, The guy that in the newspapers uh, that did Dick Tracy, he's the one that made a mention about it in the newspaper, and that's how those two guys from Kansas found out about that race back here. The driver of the Lincoln, they brought Roper here with them, and he got the fastest one. Uh, The other one, my daddy drove, and it was number 44. Um, Roper, he was, uh, I won't say a braggart, but he... He you know, he, he was proud of himself, you know, thought a lot of himself. And a lot of the guys down here just didn't warm up to him. Yeah. And then one of the other guys that had the link in there was uh Millard Clothier and Ben McIntyre. I think McIntyre owned the dealership and Clothier was the money man. And, I mean, they, they let everybody know that they were well off. People didn't warm up to them, so it didn't last for just a few races. here. They run Daytona Beach. But Daddy drove the Lincoln again there and led it. And uh, getting back to the race over here, the, the most interesting thing about that race, they disqualified Hubert's car because of the helper springs. Somebody noticed them. Now, they were inspected pre race inspection, and nobody said a thing about it. Post-race is when the complaint started about mm, that. Yeah. So France disqualified and said it's supposed to be strictly stock. So Hubert got a lawyer and took him to court, and it's tried in Greensboro. They presented a case, you know, in Greensboro, North Carolina, and, and the judge made the decision that, uh, well, you, you know, you can read here, it says strictly stock in entry blank. You see, the rules back then were generally on the entry blank, maybe a paragraph. They didn't have rule books. Okay. Eventually they yeah. did, and they add to him a little bit. But France yeah. made his rules as he went many mm-hmm. times. And, uh, and I think on the last page of that rule book, it said that they reserved to be the last word. In other words, he could change the rule any time he wanted to, and he did so. Yeah. The Good judge thing. ruled in France's yeah, yeah, yeah. favor, and the drivers um, had at that Sunday, June the 19th, that uh, they made up a pot and gave the money winnings to uh Mm-hmm. They felt strongly about that, that he drove all day and didn't win the race and got disqualified, so they took past a hat and gave him some money. Mm-hmm. And then went to court, and uh, France won. Now, the end of that deal was, when they give it to uh, Jim Roper, I don't know if he ever—maybe he run one more race. I don't remember him last, maybe one won two races, and that was it. Mm. And same thing about the two guys that brought the Lincolns here. But later on, if you remember— I don't guess you would remember this, but they had the race at Dawn's 1950s, the first super, super speedway track built down here. Hmm. Yeah, it was about and, 21 uh, years The Of course, the, uh, yeah, you <laughs> wouldn't remember. Me. But the guy that won that race was Johnny Mance. And guess whose car it was? Hubert Westland, And uh, the car I belonged to, guess who? Bill France, Alvin Hawkins. And I always felt like, my they did too, that to make up to Hubert for what happened, that France got him to prepare that Plymouth. Yeah, That's the way I feel about it. His next race he had was at uh, Daytona Beach. He had about 4,000 people. Now, over at the Charlotte, new, they call it New Charlotte Speedway, but it's anything but new. Dirt, you know, rough mm-hmm. as a cob. Uh, they had, uh, depending on where you got your information from, but in the newspaper it says something like 12,000 people or so. That's probably a tax deal there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really close to what I understand, about eighteen, nineteen thousand 19,000 people. France, over at Charlotte, he was worried to death not going to have a crowd, didn't know how this deal was going to work, Strictly Stock Racing, how it's going to work, and they called it Strictly Stock, that's what everybody else called it too, Russ Catlin, Quincybury, and different ones. And uh, when they patrol come up over there and told him, said, you're going to have to, close the gates and start this race because it's blocking the highways people can't get to and from so when you come in that track you come across the back straightaway. okay unless you went around and gonna sit in the grandstand then you went on around and parked over in the field but to get in the infield you had to come across the track into the infield mm-hmm. and they just swarms of them coming that was their first race second race at dayton they had reported four thousand people there but remember he finally had to put signs up down there, rattlesnakes. Cause see, people's coming by boats into the inland harbor there, and coming across and getting them sand dunes and come across into the track, and you couldn't nobody could stop no oh, crowd okay. control. Yeah. Cause when I went down there and I stood on along, along the edge of that highway, the back stretch. But Dave told me he said you stay right over here, don't you go anywhere else. So I went with everybody else after they left from a standstill going up the beach, you know, yeah. To watch them come down the back stretch, and I stand mm-hmm. right on the edge, and they come over and know. So fast, you could, I didn't have time to stand back. It blowed me off my feet, and I landed on my butt mm. in the sand, out the sand dunes. And wow. so I didn't do that again. But anyway, yeah. that was a <laughs> second race, third race, Okinichi. And uh, he put everything he could into it to advertise for that race. That was going to be the make-or-break race. <laughs> and he ended up having a good crowd of 19,000 people. He told me, Daddy said, sell that modified. This is the future. This is the future of what we're going to do. They run eight races, and I think they had 90-some thousand people all total that they reported, that had been over 12,000 per race. And now we got, uh, it changed to Grand National, now we got Cup Race, and that's where she started right there. Another thing I'll tell you right quick, uh, Yeah. Brother Joe, he's like an Indian, he couldn't drink much, couldn't, he liked wine. Well... It went up to Mount Airy, North Carolina, where we're gonna be on September the tenth, folks. Mount Airy Moonshine and mm. Racers Reunion. Yes. Be one of the best shows you'll ever tend. Be a lot of race cars sitting mm. on the street up there. We had ninety some last year sitting on the street up there. Mm. And a parade out to the old racetrack, and then all the moonshiners were there. Big Chuck, Paul, Paul Murphy and different ones. there will be I think Mark and Deer's gonna to try to come this year. And some of the distilleries will be represented up there. But see, we, we know that moonshiners help start racing. Mm-hmm. Most of the old race car drivers, I can name you a dozen of them right now, mm-hmm. that were started out moonshining, hauling mm-hmm. liquor. But anyway, uh, Joe went to Mount Airy, and he got to drinking up there a little bit, and he got word. They said, you're too damn drunk. You can't drive that thing, man. Get out, Get away from here. So he went and got a boy named Cowboy Hudson. Cowboy's a big old boy, probably 260, six foot or so. Well they tied him in there with a rope With a rope mm. 39 Ford Nice 39 Ford yeah. And away they go In a heat race And uh, he turned it over in a heat race And it landed upside down Stopped upside down And mm. so they run down there to him And uh, with his big belly He couldn't <laughs> find the knot in the oh, rope no. To get it loose oh. So Joe whipped out a switch knife And started cutting on him yeah. To cut that rope into So get out of there and uh, Cowboy said, damn it, Joe, stop that. You're cutting me today if you're going to oh. kill me sitting right here. Somebody slapped Joe back out of the way and got the knife and went around, hooked uh, by, mm. uh, behind the seat to the yeah. floor and cut it. And then Cowboy fell out and hurt his neck when he fell out on his head. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> it a Vasco, you know, but wow. <laughs> yes.